night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to another great program. Looking forward to this discussion tonight because we'll be talking with Dr. <laughs> and you've all been <laughs> challenging me to pronounce this first name, but it's not as hard as it looks, actually. It's Taria. We'll be talking with Dr. Taria Simonsen. He's a Norwegian historian of ideas. He's also a nonfiction author. He specializes in the esoteric and the occult. And we'll be talking all about his theories and ideas as it relates to the paranormal community. We'll also talk a lot about the conflict or yeah, I guess we'll call it a conflict, the conflict between science and paranormal study. Be sure you've subscribed to our channels. You need to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you need to subscribe to the Twitch channel. If you've got Amazon Prime and you use that to make your subscription on the Twitch channel, there's no charge. It's free. Very cool. <laughs> You're telling me I need to make the trip. Yeah, I don't disagree. So, um, but either channel can be found on either of those platforms by just searching for my name, JV Johnson. Very, very easy to find. Let's go to break. When we come back, we will, in fact, um, get our guest on the phone. Looking forward to the conversation. It's beyond reality. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Taria, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you on tonight. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. Um, uh, first of all, I, I'm not, are you in Nor Norway now? Is that where you are uh, yes, connecting I, to us from? I, yes, I'm in uh, Mandal, which is a little uh, coastal town uh, in the uh, south of Norway. Very interesting. And is it as cold? It's probably about as cold there as it is here in upstate New York. Your winters are kind of uh, snowy and, and wet and white, aren't they? Uh, yes, not white anymore because there have been some uh, days with, uh, uh, say, uh, plus Celsius degrees. But now we are back in the, in, in the freezing territory. So I, yeah. think, I think we're going to have our first non-freezing temperature days since um, December in the next two days. And we're really excited about oh, it. So yeah. it, it's always an optimistic time of year, right? Yeah, it is. So um, before we get talking about you uh, personally and your work, I want to have a, a sense of maybe what um, the Norwegian people or maybe Scandinavia as a whole, the attitudes that prevail about paranormal ideas. Are they similar to what we might see here in the United States? Well, uh, my impression is that, uh, say, scholars and academics, they are quite uh, much the same uh, all over the Western world. Uh, so, but uh, in rural Norway, there's a quite a tradition for, uh, especially for two things: for warm hands, you know, healers, mm -hmm. and also for people people that can see. And they were quite quite often consulted if uh, people had lost uh, uh, some uh, goat or some sheep, you know, in rural areas. They could go to these people and uh, have them try use their clairvoyance to get it back. But as I say, in urban and academic Norway, that's uh, no tradition for. 
for that anymore. But uh, still, in small, uh, say, rural communities, you will you will find those kind of people. And when you say warm hands, do you mean like healers, like healers that would yes. use their hands yes. to heal? Wow. Yes. And yes. And that was a, that was pretty common um, throughout history, and, and, and in some cases still is in the smaller communities. Yes, uh, if you read folkloristic literature, uh, ethnography, and that kind of things, you will find uh, quite uh, some, uh, say, strong personalities with those abilities. And you, if you go back even to the sagas, you know, uh, both uh, the Icelandic uh, sagas, uh, but also Norwegian sagas, you will find people uh, that with their touch could heal other people uh, described. We have a lot of people that come on the program that um, talk about having those abilities and those sensitivities. Do you have a name for it? I mean, do you, do you classify it as um, as mystic healers or or some type of spiritual healing? It's uh, you know you can make so uh, lots of classifications. Uh, uh, it's a difficult question, really, because I, I've looked into it uh, and. Uh, you know, some call it uh, vibrational healing, some call it faith healing, some call it energy healing, some call it theta healing after mm-hmm. the brain waves, and so uh, I have somehow concluded that basically uh, what is most important is the intention to heal. Uh, there was a great English healer of a uh, uh, Norwegian uh, descent, uh, Tom Johansson, and he had even experienced uh, a person that healed other by a trumpet, you know, blowing the healing into them. <laughs> so uh, there clearly it was the intention about healing, uh, because, you know, you can also have distant healing and uh, that can, then there's no hands laying on at all. So I, I think... Uh, uh, because my, we can get back to that probably, but uh, my basic, uh, say, um, perception or idea about consciousness it is a non-local phenomenon. So we are all connected in what I call the mental internet. So it's a kind of a communication uh, via this mental internet is uh, with an intention to heal, which is... Yeah, interesting. And we will talk about that at, uh, at length as we our conversation continues here. Um, let's talk about your introduction to these ideas, though. When did you develop an interest in paranormal topics? Well, you know, every child, uh, I think, is interested in fairy tales. And I was that, uh, of course, uh, I loved uh, reading Norwegian folk tales and also this uh, Arabic, you know, tales that Disney had made films about uh, Aladdin and all that kind of stories. Uh, and also when I become older, I become part of a Christian youth club. And uh, some of my friends there told me about strange things. And because I knew them, I had not, uh, not uh, reason to disbelieve what they right. told me. Right. And, and later also uh, people in my family told about strange things. I could give some examples later if you like. And um, my grandfather was an engineer and uh, he could hear my grandmother coming home about half an hour before she actually came. Uh, and uh, that would uh, vary from uh, day to day because she could have met some new people in town now, become, uh, say, uh, held back in some shop or something, you know. So, But he got a strong sense half an hour before she was coming home. He could hear uh, her 
coming in the stairs and uh, opening the door and uh, you know with the say the sound of the keys and everything so it's Norwegian uh, tra- tradition this is called the Vardøger when you can hear people uh, say sometime before they come so he had that and he was a, a rational man and as I said an engineer you know so when he tell, told me that what could I say you're lying I, that was not a possible <laughs> position <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it, it, okay so the phenomena in which your grandfather could hear your grandmother coming home before she actually did. Um, and you say yes. it, it's something common um, for people uh, in Norway. I mean, we have things that we talk about that might be considered like gut feelings or premonitions. Would it be the same thing? Uh, this is more specific, really, because gut feeling is also, uh, in Norway, that would be called magefølelse. Mage is a gut or a belly. So, so Vardøger uh, is more specific because that you get very, uh, say, you can hear uh, the sound of the specific car. You can hear the sound of a specific door. They will work if the stair has, uh, say, 10 steps, you can hear. Um, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, you know, so it's very specific. Uh, and uh, it, there has been done some kind of uh, sociological, uh, say, uh, survey for this. And this phenomenon seemed to be more common in Norway. So one of the great parapsychologists in Norway, professor in biology, Joe Hugen, he uh, wrote a book called uh, Our National Paranormal Phenomenon. And that is Vardøger. Very interesting. So they'd be like, not necessarily phantom noises, but they would be um, kind of in the, in the, but in the mind's eye, they, they, no one else would hear them, but your grandfather would hear them, right? So they would be that unique is, to him. That is a very interesting, uh, because uh, you're asking me that. Uh, my father has passed away, so I have not been able to discuss this uh, with him. Uh, but there were uh, his two sisters, uh, the two daughters in the family. One of them could hear this. But the other did not hear it. Really? So, yes. Hmm. So, do you, so is this like psychic ability in the sense that some people are more acutely attuned to it versus others? I would say so. Yes, it seems to be say uh, connected with uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, say de- person dependence. Yes. Wow. So you grew up and you've got family members that have some of these uh, uh, abilities, I guess, or sensitivities, and some of these uh, occurrences and stories are shared with you. And it's so it kind of develops an air about you where you have to be open to these ideas or deny what's going on around you with your family. Yes, uh, that's true, because, you know, there are people, and also it's very important, they are not the kind of guru type, you know, wanting to build their egos and, uh, uh, you know, get attention to themselves. They are rather soft-spoken, quiet people, you know, so it's uh, no reason to disbelieve this. uh, only thing, uh, say, where there would be room for disbelief that they somehow c- could have misunderstood their perceptions, you know. Right. But the re- report in itself is no doubt to be, uh, disbelief. Did you have any of these experiences yourself or other types of paranormal experiences maybe growing up? Uh, yes, uh, later uh, I, I become, say, more in tune to that. It could have been something uh, both with a kind of crisis early in my 20s, because then you somehow get in connect, uh, connection with the deeper layer of the psyche. Also, I started to do meditation, so that could have something to do with it, because I have had, uh, uh, say, a number of experiences myself uh, also. 
you you've mentioned already um, uh, something called the mental internet. I think that's probably a, a much of the foundation of the things we're going to talk about tonight. So let's talk about that right now and get an understanding of what you mean when you say the mental internet. Well, you know, uh, if you say what it is not, uh, then uh, the normal, uh, say, conventional idea about uh, consciousness, uh, the academic, scholarly, Western, modern uh, view, is that consciousness is inside your head. Uh, and uh, and inside my head and inside everybody's head. Right. But that's, it's separate. Uh, uh, and if I say to you, Internet is inside my PC or inside my tablet or inside uh, my mobile phone. What do you say then? Uh, you say that is not correct. You say right. that Internet is the network between all PCs, between the tablets, between the mobile phones. So that would be the metaphor here. That uh, my idea of consciousness, which is in fact is a very old idea, I just used it metaphor to, to somehow illustrate it to, to modern folks, uh, that is uh, basically... Uh, consciousness is a collective shared field of information that we ha are linked up to. So uh, it's like being online. You are online on uh, the mental internet. And uh, if you view consciousness that way, uh, say a phenomenon like telepathy is uh, very reasonable to, to, to somehow be open to because uh, we uh, are already connected so it's not like i am inside my head and trying very very hard to think of you and get inside your head uh, trying to send my talks telepathically it's not that way we are already connected before we are somehow separated in in singular individuals so that is the what you call the mental internet say the basic foundation of consciousness as a collective uh, sphere of information Okay, so just to try to get a little bit of clarification on that concept, are we talking about uh, individual consciousness that's that's but it's connected via some fashion, or are we talking about everyone's part of a greater consciousness? Well, you know, uh, I like the last uh, formulation you gave me for that. Uh, but uh, if uh, I use the metaphor for the internet, I could say my PC, you know, I'm logging on to that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so uh, and then I can download information and can also send emails, you know. And if I download information, that would be clairvoyance, like this guy finding the lost goat or sheep in, in the forest, you know. Uh, then he's going there, he's going to Google Maps and uh, and searching you know uh, and uh, if he send uh, if telepathy then we'd be like sending a email to a friend or family member you know these are just metaphors but you know every day we experience non locality because non locality is the, is the core concept here really uh, uh, we experience non locality as i uh, said uh, a friend in york uh, and a friend in New York, uh, uh, first place in England, second place in uh, the US, they are just the same distance from you when you are at your PC. And that's the same. Uh, if I, for instance, would do telepathy to a person uh, in the town next to here or to a friend living in Australia, uh, if you go to the mental internet, uh, distance is I irrelevant, really. So you somehow go in a superposition uh, related to the normal perception of, of space. 
Are these obviously the the internet is a relatively new term or new idea? But you know, you're using that as a metaphor. But are these yes. greater ideas new to us? Or I almost get the impression that these are ideas that we understood maybe um, you know millennia ago or, or centuries ago, and then kind of talked ourselves out of them, and now are rediscovering them. I'm uh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> So uh, if you go back to, say, uh, um, different philosophies, uh, if you go to the alchemists, uh, for instance, they would call it uh, the anima mundi, uh, the world soul. Uh, and uh, if you go to uh, the Indian tradition, they would perhaps call it uh, the akasha. Uh, if you go to the Kabbalah, they could perhaps call it uh, Adam Kadman, the original Adam, say the, the original human being before uh, we were split off, you know. So the, uh, in many kind of languages, many kind of myths, uh, you have this idea about a collective consciousness being the core, uh, at the core uh, behind all uh, the individual consciousness. So, uh, but as I say, Every day we experience this uh, by just logging on uh, to our PCs. So therefore I use that metaphor. But basically it's a very, very old idea. You wrote a book. It's called A Short History of Nearly Everything Paranormal. Give us a kind of a synopsis of what the book's about and then let's talk about why you wrote it. Oh, it's very long, but uh, I go into the difference. Uh, yes, uh, it's 500 pages. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, 540, really. So uh, I go into the... Di uh, because I got uh, an editor, uh, Pax Publishing in Norway. It's a very scientifically-minded uh, publisher. It's not kind of New Age publica, uh, publisher. And my editor, she has edited lots of uh, scientific uh, literature. Um, and she called her a moderate skeptic. So um, when we were to make this book together, you know, uh, I'm basically more, say, open to these phenomena than uh, she is. Uh, but we had a very good uh, connection on the personal level. So somehow the book was a cooperation. Uh, so what I did then was to use the different sciences in my problems. So I go, for instance, to uh, famous uh, cases from history. I go to famous cases from archaeology, where clairvoyants have been used to make spectacular finds. I go to anthropology, where anthropologists go to indigenous people and have stunning experiences with shamans and medicine uh, men and, uh, and women. Uh, I go to, for instance, to psychologists doing uh, laboratory research uh, on psychic phenomena. I go to quantum physicists, uh, a couple of Nobel Prize winners, uh, having themselves experienced paranormal uh, phenomena and also trying to give models from physics and this. So uh, I use a wide spectrum of sciences in my approach. So say each chapter basically is uh, one chapter for history, one chapter for anthropology uh, and so on. So that is uh, try to, to, to use uh, uh, because, you know, if you have a scientist, usually that person is a person that is quite good both in observation and in thinking. Uh, I would think it's fair to say above average normal. So people tend to respect scientists a bit more, uh, <laughs> even if they shouldn't always. Uh, they <laughs> tend to do that. Yeah. So I, I have used that, uh, say, 
positive uh, uh, pre uh, what is called uh, prejudice about scientists as a kind of uh, uh, what is what say, a kind of argument to listen carefully to to what they have to say. This is not spinners of yarns and uh, raconteurs, you know. That are, uh, these are serious people. So so that is my basic uh, say approach in the book. Let's talk about the relationship between scientists and paranormal ideas, uh, because there seems to be, for the most part, a bit of an adversarial relationship. Is that what you found? Uh, statistically, yes. But as I said, I found some stellar scientists being really into this, and some of them uh, even uh, tell about having paranormal experience themselves. Uh, quite famous uh, quantum physicist Wolfgang Pauli, for instance, he was uh, awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics, I think it was 1945, and he was nominated for the prize by a no less grandee than Albert Einstein. So uh, Wolfgang Pauli, he himself had lots of psychokinetic experience when he felt something built up inside him and suddenly there will happen something strange phenomena around him. Uh, a vase for instance could burst uh, a, mo a motor could uh, you know, just snap uh, having always functioned as a chair could just uh, crack you know uh, so he experienced that time after time after time so he tried to make some kind of explanatory models for these phenomena and he even wrote a book together with a famous uh, psychiatrist and psychologist and mystic uh, uh, Carl Gustav Jung. So they uh, wrote a book about, uh, say, uh, the combined uh, psychology and, and, and physics, uh, how to explain, among other things, these phenomena. So, so and today we have in uh, Cambridge University, which, as you probably know, is one of the uh, highest ranked universities in the world. I think it's number four or five in, in the world, really. And there we have Professor Brian Josephson, and he is uh, emeritus now. He he is uh, retired, but he won the Nobel Prize in Physics in uh, 1973, and uh, he also claimed to have have uh, both telepathy and the psychokinesis demonstrated to him. So you have those kinds. So I report quite a lot of uh, these phenomena, uh, and so there's not just weak-minded uh, scientists having taken LSD or something. There's really top-notch scientists telling about these phenomena. Now it seems that as though in in antiquity here, maybe um, you know a hundred years ago. Uh, we did have a lot of very mainstream scientists and inventors, people like Thomas Edison or Nikola Tesla, yes. were very interested in these ideas and actually did a lot of work on trying to get answers. And as you pointed out, um, Einstein and others, some of our the fathers uh, of our modern scientific thought were really invested in, it, in these ideas. And at some point, the science community drifted apart from it. Um, but it seems as though as we make progress in understanding quantum sciences and some of these other uh, concepts, we're starting to find maybe closer connections to these things than maybe some scientists wanted to admit. Yes, it seems so. Uh, Dean Radin, as you probably know, he's the most uh, famous parapsychologist today, and he has been arranging conferences uh, uh, under the umbrella of the National Academy of Science in the U.S., and that's quite quite mainstream science. So, uh, and also in 2006, and I think also later, uh, the American uh, Association for the Advancement of Science uh, have a conference where there were 
Psi, uh, also paranormal researchers, uh, together with uh, physicists trying to uh, look at time and precognition and uh, this, uh, what they call retrocausality, that somehow uh, the twisting of the relationship between cause and effect, which somehow make it possible, perhaps, to, to say something about the future. And that was a conference, as I said, arranged in 2006, and they also made a book, uh, uh, The Proceedings afterwards. So, uh, yes, uh, it, there is what can, kind of, uh, uh, what is called a kind of careful approach between uh, the, these uh, camps. As we explore things, um, like uh, we had a, a, a scientist on the program last week who was talking about um, the ideas that can lead to interstellar travel, things like bending space and time um, yes. and, and bending the fabric of, of what we what we consider to be space. And, you know, some scientists say space is nothingness, but other scientists say actually space has a, has a connect, connectivity to it and it's related to gravity and it's related to magnetism, et cetera, et cetera. Is this collective consciousness or this fabric that we call the uh, – Minds internet or the mental internet is that something similar to that or is it even part of that uh, i discussed that uh, in my book you know there's a good model you give there uh, um, uh, my focus because uh, i'm not a physicist so i should not pretend to be one and uh, my focus is really on the phenomena themselves mm -hmm. okay uh, as lo as long uh, as long as they happen and i have no reason to be, uh, disbelieve that as i say if you take a statistical survey uh, more than half of people will tell about uh, having experienced say telepathy clairvoyance or that kind of phenomena so as long as those reports are in millions uh, that is my main concern and then it's up to the good physicists to give us the explanatory models that can make us understand that and what you just mentioned could be a good model for that uh, I discuss other models also I discuss about five models uh, possible models to explain uh, the telepathy in my, in my book um, uh, so but uh, problem is if you fall in love with one model uh, then and suddenly it can happen that that model uh, falls out of fashion and th then you have a problem because you have somehow invested, uh, say, the reliability uh, of the existence of these phenomena to that particular model. And uh, I will not say one uh, evil word about him, but uh, the great uh, both physicist and, and mystic, uh, uh, fair to call him that, I think, Fritjof Capra, he wrote his famous book early in the 70s, uh, Phys uh, Tao of Physics, and he found uh, close connections uh, between uh, quantum physics and Eastern mysticism. Uh, but he made some one kind of, say, misstep there because he was uh, adherent to a model in quantum physics called the bootstrap theory. And that theory fall out of fashion. And then the skeptic would say, oh, ha, 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 look here. Right. You know, he is, uh, yes, uh, on the garbage dump with his theories. So, uh, but as I said, my, uh, my focus is the phenomenon. Because people report them, and you have a, a, a statistics will tell you there are millions of reports of those phenomena. So uh, I suggest five different models, uh, and but I also say 
perhaps these models are not right, but as long as the phenomena uh, continue to occur, that is uh, the most important, really. Uh, and uh, uh, probably, you know, also classical natural science is in deep uh, <laughs> trouble in some way, because as you probably know, uh, the connection between quantum physics and uh, theory of uh, relativity is not uh, good, you know, because as you said, uh, theory of relativity has gravity as a very central component, mm -hmm. but uh, in in quantum physics, uh, they um, have no, uh, say, place for gravity. Uh, so that is very strange, really, and that's a, a kind of a dirty little secret most science, or many scientists will not tell you. Uh, and then you have this uh, so-called string theory or M theory that try to, say, unify those, uh, uh, say, making it totally other ideas about um, particles and, and that kind of things. So, uh, uh, so it cannot be demanded from parapsychology to give, a, say, a, a total explanatory model for these phenomena as long as, say, normal physics had not agreed on, yeah, say, are there, is there dark matter or is there not? Most physicists will say there uh, about 70% of the universe could consist of dark matter. But there are also uh, a minority, a very well-educated minority that says, no, we don't need uh, dark matter at all to, uh, to explain, uh, say, the physical phenomena we can observe. So, as I said, uh, the models, uh, even if I suggest five different models for consciousness, uh, which somehow relates to what you you, you you started here with uh, the models in themselves are not my main focus when we get back to public perception and the scientific community as a whole's perception not individual scientists that may accept some of these ideas but just in in general academia science community we we've seen and, and i'm assuming you've had some of the same uh, experiences in norway or wherever else you've done your study but um uh television in particular has has accepted in fact embraced uh these paranormal reality television shows i was involved with one for quite some time um and they've they've changed public perception about a lot of different ideas plus you know we get we get movies from hollywood and other movie production facilities that either glorify or you know pre present in a scary way some of these ideas how does all of that affect what you see in this, in this uh, effort to uh, understand and also get some acceptance of these ideas? A very good question. Uh, these programs uh, are also quite popular in Norway. One of them uh, was quite, in fact, some years ago, the most popular uh, program in Norway at all. So, um, uh, and they... Um, uh, what can I say? Uh, they have have very good. Uh, the guy who is running those programs in Norway, he is quite. Uh, he is basically a skeptic, so he has kind of a, what you could say a, a down to earth approach, and I think that's good. So he has uh, succeeded in gaining some kind of say general. Uh, accept at least a slash fascination about this and also that you are not uh, uh, crazy if you talk about this phenomena. Uh, still, the academics are uh, trying to debunk uh, these uh, things. Uh, they also, you know, they're kind of, uh, I, I don't think anybody know about it, but he, his name is Anders Wahl and he is a, a physicist and he, you know, uh, have programs in 
uh, television trying to debunk these phenomena and also how can you get a natural explanation of what uh, really happened and, and that's the kind of things but basically yes the, so that is very positive because the uh, uh, what they do is say interview say normal people having kind of extraordinary experiences and uh, even in one of those programs that uh, they caught on camera uh, I was quite uh, <laughs> happily surprised then because uh, they were in a kitchen where there were lots of kind of psychokinetic phenomena reported you know uh, vases and dishes moving and all that and suddenly when uh, they were on location uh, a, a host of uh, knives and forks were bursting out of a drawer oh wow <laughs> yes so uh, that was quite uh, impressive really so uh, that is very positive but what i do not like about those programs it's some of them tend to focus on the say ghost stories and yeah. the dark aspects yes so uh, there's a plus and minus about these things the the, the plus side is uh, creating openness but the other is somehow just do kind of uh, say um, i will not say satanic but you know trying to somehow taint these things in a dark manner uh, whereas my idea about this is this really is our birth rate uh, birth rights and uh, our human heritage uh, and it's not basically something you should be you should have respect for but not to be scared of well, okay, so how common do you think these uh, psi abilities, things like telepathy, um, are in, throughout the population? Because I certainly don't feel like I've got those sensitivities, and maybe I just haven't recognized them. Yes, you haven't recognized them. Uh, that is, uh, uh, and but if uh, you have an uncle and you love very much, and he suddenly uh, is uh, getting a heart attack, and you suddenly feel uh, in another city, you also feel a kind of pain in the chest at the same time. Then you would have that kind of experience, and that is very common, you know. Uh, and people do not think of themselves as being very paranormal on occult or anything. Thing at uh, that, but if a close relative uh, suddenly ha is in pain, then will some feels that something is not right, even if they're not physically present. That's very, very common. I could give so many examples, and also this kind of phenomena that uh, the English biologist uh, Rupert Sheldrake had called tel uh, 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 telephone uh, uh, telepathy. Uh, for instance, you got a feeling that you should call uh, Richard, uh, your good friend, that you. You were studying together with five years ago and you're thinking of richard and you're reaching out for the phone and suddenly it's ringing and then it there is richard <laughs> and it could be two years three years since your last time i have heard anything from him uh, that is a, a quite common experience and uh, in fact uh, rupert sheldrake he did experiment uh, with that and uh, he gave a, a mobile phone to four friends of, uh, they say, uh, the experiment person. And then one uh, of these four friends should call that person. And before he or she was taking up the phone, he or she should guess who of the four friends is calling. 
And since it's four friends, you should give uh, one out of four chance that uh, uh, you would get, get, uh, have a right guess. But in fact, it was much more. It, I think it was uh, it not uh, say one out of four is twenty five percent. I think it was about thirty six or thirty seven percent right. You know, and that has been done not only by Rupert Sheldrake but also at the universities in uh, Amsterdam and University of Freiburg in Germany. So. Uh, in fact, uh, or that was normal people, not uh, say uh, mystics or gurus or so. So if you participated in that experiment, I suggest you also would get more than 25% hit. So are you basically, one of the things that you're saying here is that we all experience these things. We just, in some cases, may not recognize that's what we're experiencing. For example, um, you know, I may have, as you in the scenario that you described, I may have a a pain somewhere that's in sympathy with a relative or someone I care about, um, and but not recognize that relationship, not recognize that's why I have it. I just just you know ignore it and go on about my day. Yes. I think that could be quite uh, common, and uh, th- some of say some of the family stories. Uh, just to give you my uh, example, my uncle and aunt they were uh, laying in bed uh, going to sleep, and my uncle he had uh, gone to sleep. Um, and my aunt, she was uh, reading a history book. Uh, it was a, a, a Swedish history book, a kind of famous work called Greenberg's Historia. And there was some kind of uh, uh, Egyptian uh, photograph with some, uh, say, text under. And she was reading uh, the text, you know. And my uncle was sound asleep uh, beside her. And suddenly, when she was uh, reading that text, my uncle started speaking in his sleep. And the word he was saying was the exact same word she was reading from the book. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and that was a kind of, uh, at least in my perception, that a kind of spontaneous telepathy, you know, because he is in his sleep, uh, his God is stone, and he is perceiving uh, his uh, loved uh, wife, what she is reading. And uh, so uh, they are not, uh, they are passed away now many years ago, both of them, but uh, they were not considering themselves to be any kind of gifted in this respect at all. It's just a uh, kind of strange phenomenon. And my had also other phenomena of the same kind. So it's just, it was not just kind of a singular experience. Some people make a connection between parapsychology and these paranormal phenomena and occultism. Is there a connection or are they something very different? Uh, there could be a connection because in the, the occult traditions, they have, as you said, uh, many people experience these phenomena, but they don't uh, register them really. Uh, but in occult tradition, uh, they s- sought to cultivate them and, of course, therefore become very uh, much more aware of them. And also in occult tradition, you tend to do meditations and uh, rituals, and uh, even uh, in some orders, you also do psychedelics and all that can open to more of these kind of experiences. So there is a connection, but as I said, in my perception, these are very, very natural phenomena that we all have. I compare them with musicality. Uh, And uh, say, uh, 
all of us are, uh, have some kind of musicality, uh, but someone can become professional musicians, uh, but uh, someone should uh, limit themselves just to sing in the shower. And some can go on and become Pavarotti or famous uh, uh, composer or whatever, you know. So uh, the talent is there, uh, uh, but the degree uh, of it is very, very, uh, there's a very, say, big scale there from zero, almost zero to 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 yeah I, how far can you go really so so but as i said natural phenomenon uh, that you can cultivate by techniques but someone people even if you know start taking musical classes you will probably i don't know you but i uh, expect uh, never you will become a beethoven or or, or uh, jimmy hendrix or something uh, so some people are exceptionally gifted from the outside but uh, within your own limits you can develop uh, your musicality and i think it's also possible to so to some extent to develop your sensitivity to to these phenomena and how does somebody do that is that is it something where they have to first of all i would suppose in my case it would have to be to open myself up to it a little bit more and pay attention to some of the smaller things that are happening throughout my day that may have that connection but secondly do you is is it a meditating process? You say you, you things started to happen for you when you started meditating, um, among yes. other things. Uh, so are those uh, some uh, of the things? Yes, I, I would say so. Uh, paying attention is the first. Uh, I, I would say that my last chapter uh, in my book, chapter nine, is called "Our Paranormal Daily Life," and there I also give a crash course in how to develop these abilities within yourself and uh, the most simple exercise is just start uh, active guessing if you get uh, um, say you get an email uh, before you have opened it for a friend uh, what does he or she want with that mail or if you get a letter in the post what uh, who is sending that letter and what do they want and uh, if you are watching baseball who will win the game tonight uh, and so and if you're going on holiday uh, how will it look like uh, before uh, that will be after the corona pandemic <laughs> but uh, uh, how, how will it look like where we are, are going on our, our uh, vacation so try to active guess and and uh, evaluate your guess uh, that will be a very good start because then you will start to pay attention and uh, it would be a good thing to start guessing what you could not know uh, so say uh, put yourself after take the risk you know and you will do lots and lots of mistakes but uh, the, say uh, the esoteric masters will tell you that uh, th you have to develop the feel for it and suddenly you get this gut feeling ha huh, no I, I really uh, know who is calling and so so you can start doing that and you can also start doing meditation the kind of spiritual discipline is always good for uh, both for the mental balance but also to to develop general sensitivity uh, to, towards uh, this field and there are courses i will not do kind of add for any specific courses uh, but um, well, I could mention the most popular is probably what they call silver course. Uh, there you, uh, as I said, I not tried that myself, but I know some of the, a couple of the psychics practicing in Norway have told me that they had, uh, say, benefit from silver courses. And also uh, you could use um, these uh, CDs or, no, you probably get them as files, um, uh, be neural beats. Uh, then uh, 
brain entrainment you uh, by using these cds i use the cds then um you can somehow change gears uh, in the, your brainwave pattern and then you also can become more con- uh, conscious about what's going on uh, in uh, in this uh, uh, say field so so there are lots of techniques you can use and uh, what many have told me also after personal crisis uh, they have some uh, divorce or a relative uh, had died or even having a near death experience themselves they suddenly find themselves much more sensitive to these uh, i will not of course recommend uh, that kind of things but uh, if you live your life you will most of us will experience deep crisis sooner or later by that kind of losing relatives or something like that that can also uh, tend to develop these uh, abilities, yes. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, near-death experiences because I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody on the program who is a practicing psychic or uh, some type of sensitive in another way, and they often say their their, their journey started after a near-death experience. Have, do you know, have any idea or theories on why that is the case? Yes, one of my chapters, uh, it's called uh, Consciousness, uh, the Enigmatic Solutions to the Enigmas. And uh, the model of consciousness, uh, I use this American psychiatrist at Virginia University, uh, uh, a couple, in fact, uh, uh, Kelly, his name is Edward Kelly. I don't remember his wife and colleague's name, but uh, also Kelly. They have uh, written a beautiful book called Irreducible Mind, and and they have... uh kind of, uh, it's a long, uh, say, prehistory for that uh, book also, but um, they launch what what you could say a filter theory about consciousness, that um, the brain is not what creates consciousness, rather it is what, say, reduces consciousness. If we go back to the mental internet, um, uh, of course, I have my PC and I can download information from the net, but I don't I do not download all the internet to my PC. That would totally destroy my PC and uh, yeah, overwhelm. So, and so it is also with this uh, collective sphere of consciousness that my own individual consciousness is connected to. I cannot download every information in this collective field. I would be psychotic immediately. Uh, so I filter out uh, much of the material. And that is uh, to live a normal, say, harmonious, uh, to some extent, a daily life. I-, I have to do that. We all have to do that. But if you have a near-death experience or a crisis, uh, or even uh, you can get a kind of brain damage, uh, then suddenly this filter function can be shut off. And then you will be open to these phenomena. Uh, I will give you one example. I talked to a lady. She was not uh, psychic at all. She was kind of a happy-go-lucky lady, out of to- uh, out uh, going out uh, party girl uh, type. And suddenly she was involved in a car crash. And I think she was clinically dead for 11 minutes. And when she came back, she suddenly found herself being psychic, being able to read the minds of people at the, uh, uh, other people in the room. And she was totally confused because, uh, you know, it's like listening to seven radio stations at once, you know. And uh, what is my thought process? What is the doctor's thought process? What is the nurse's thought process? It's very chaotic. So she had to really learn to sort these things. But no, she 
she's uh, working as a full-time psychic. She has learned to to say sort the different radio stations. So, um, but uh, as I said, the different crises can shut down the filter, and then you open the floodgates for better and for worse. Uh, sometimes uh, to to this collective field of information. You know, you mentioned ghosts, um, you know, as part of this cacophony of paranormal discussions and ideas, particularly on television. Um, But what are your thoughts as it relates to the afterlife and spirit activity uh, in terms of, uh, you know, this mental Internet that you're talking about? It's a very good question. And uh, uh, I I should... uh, I wished I could give you, uh, say, clear-cut answers that uh, I cannot do that. but uh, I am open to that consciousness uh, if it's in that, uh, not uh, uh, consciousness is not identical with the brain. Uh, uh, and I, in my last chapter, I also uh, uh, discussed that uh, if you take a reincarnation, for instance, uh, I discussed that under the heading, is it possible to continue blogging with a new PC when the old one breaks? And uh, I go into the science about this because there was uh, also a psychiatrist uh, at the Virginia University. This was Canadian, Ian Stevenson, and he has research cases. You probably heard about several of them. And today, his uh, his uh, what is called uh, there is uh, Jim Tucker have taken over this uh, relay button from Ian Stevenson. And there are so many cases where children tell about. Uh, uh, living earlier life, you know, and right. you can go to, yeah, you can go to this town they tell about and you will find uh, old people perhaps uh, confirming their stories or you can go to the city archive and uh, you will find that in 1942 there was, in fact, a guy who went to France and uh, died in operation there and he had uh, was, uh, say, engaged to a girl named this and this and that. So these stories are abound and you can get many of them confirmed. And that could, of course, indicate that uh, uh, if a child tell that story, that could indicate that child could be a reincarnation of that person. That could clearly indicate that. But, of course, if that information uh, is uh, available uh, on the mental internet, uh, as you asked me, if I go to YouTube and see a video with Elvis Presley, uh, and I hear him singing and dancing, and he tells about his next concert and so, and I go to a friend of mine and, and tell him, yes, I saw uh, Elvis doing this and telling that and singing that song and so you know that does not make me an incarnation of Elvis Presley Uh, even if I download information about Elvis being on the net it does not turn me into an incarnation of that so that child could be an incarnation of that specific person but the child could also be very sensitive for that information being on the mental internet and the child could spontaneously download that information. So that's a two ex- possible explanations for that uh, phenomenon. One is reincarnation that, uh, and the other is kind of clairvoyant download of the information. And 
and in one case it could be uh, the, the one uh, phenomenon and in other case could be the other and it's very very difficult to differentiate that if i should uh, elaborate just a bit some of these children have birthmarks uh, there would be for instance children telling uh, uh, to have been shot uh, at the left side of the head and you can see in some of these children telling about that kind of dramatic stories there will be birthmarks resembling the story very closely uh, and if um, uh, i think was uh, uh, tucker said that in about 20 percent of the stories reincarnation stories there are also birthmarks somehow say indicating uh, that this story could be more than just downloading of information uh, so uh, if you have a, ch a child with a kind of clear birthmark some su uh, substantiating the story that could of course be uh, say a case of reincarnation but we all understand that it's very difficult to make kind of clear-cut conclusions on 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 this matter it is it's it is difficult and uh, but it's such an amazing phenomena uh, either way um it let, is let's talk about dangers are there any dangers for people either working with people who have uh, heightened sensibilities when it comes to these paranormal phenomena or even doing uh, you know engaging in some of them yourself is it dangerous in any way uh well if you expand your horizon, uh, I used the example, if you move from a little rural town in Arkansas and move to New York, there are probably danger in New York that are not present in Arkansas, uh, in this little town you come from. And so if you expand your horizon, there will be dangers, there will be. But also, that is also about of growing up from being a child, you know, to, to somehow take possession of your life and your body and living your grown-up life there are dangers there that a child in the care of sound parents do not have uh, so uh, but uh, if the dangers are not uh, and also as i said uh, for instance this lady i told you about having this near-death experience after car crash mm -hmm. she was very confused about being suddenly become clairvoyant and uh, i have discussed this with um uh, for instance, I, a psychic advisor I consult from time to time, she tells me it's difficult for her to go in, in the shop uh, if there are many people there, because uh, if there are five people in the cube uh, in front of her, she will start, suddenly start getting in five different life stories, you know. <laughs> so it can be quite chaotic. And in Norwegian folk tradition, uh, it's sometimes considered a curse more than a blessing to have these abilities, because uh, if, for instance, you see a peop uh, person uh, having kind of illness, you know, uh, what should you do? Should you scare uh, sh uh, shit out of him? Go and tell, I see you're ill, you could die. You must go to the doctor, you know. Uh, and uh, you, you, you could scare him uh, unnecessarily, or he could just think you're crazy, you know. So uh, too much information can be a burden. And, uh, and so that is, say kind of uh, the dark side of being sensitive uh, that you can have to deal with uh, and also if you are in a party and uh, everybody's happy but you are not happy because you feel uh, say uh, some of the falseness about it all you know and the superficiality you feel much more 
uh, present to you uh, than the other persons present, perhaps. But uh, say the occult thing or so, that is a double-edged sword uh, because uh, you should care very much about intention uh, go, uh, going into that because if your intention... Um, there is a, an occult order that I like. There are many I do not like. One I like, it's called Servants of the Light. Uh, and uh, then you have to, before you get initiated, you have to uh, uh, declare, I know, uh, I want to know in order to serve, uh, to serve the light then. Uh, and uh, so if you want to go into this field, you should have good intentions. You should have intentions about being at service to other people, uh, perhaps develop healing abilities or using your clairvoyant abilities to, to counsel, to help people get the best out of their life. You should always have good intentions with what you do. And I think as long as you have good intention, they will work as a talisman for you. It will protect you against negative vibes in this field. But if you go in there to have power, uh, you know, and to manipulate people and uh, being the big guru and all that stuff, then you are in danger. Your ego, if you succeed, if developed and taking, say, some kind of psychedelics and becoming a bit uh, telepathic, perhaps, or something, and your ego swells, you know, and I'm this big guru and all that stuff, you know. So that could destroy you. So as I said, uh, the Buddha said, intention, intention, intention. So uh, if you have good intention, that will protect you and you will be safe. If you not have good intentions, you probably should do some other thing. Frequently, when I talk to people on the program, particularly psychics or other empaths or sensitive folks, um, you know, often say, uh, you know, why do you think you have these abilities to a heightened degree versus somebody else? And often an answer will be something like, well, I'm part Native American. What is it about indigenous people? Is there really a connection there? And um, if so, what, what, what is it about indigenous people that gives them an additional sensitivity? Uh, it's a two thing. I think you have given the answer earlier in the program. You said, if I want, uh, you said about yourself uh, that if you wanted to develop these abilities, uh, then I should perhaps start to become more aware of them. Uh, and that uh, is some of the secret. I think indigenous people have very often a tradition for being aware of these phenomena. We have that also in Norway. You know, north in Norway, you have the Sami people. Uh, they earlier called Laplanders, but they prefer to be called Sami. Um, and they have a very long and strong tradition for these uh, uh, phenomena. So if you say that you could feel that, that your uh, grandfather died uh, he, he, at the second he died, even if you were in another city, they will not laugh of you. They will say, oh, yes, uh, of course you could. Uh, so if you cultivate a culture that will somehow register these phenomena and not dismiss it when they appear, of course, uh, that will be part of the secret to open up to more of them. The other thing is, if there are people still living the indigenous life, uh, uh, not, uh, of course, we have lots of Sami people living in uh, the cities today, but some of them are still out on uh, the, 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 you know, the, I don't what they call it in, in American, but Vida in Norwegian, that will be a snow-covered tundra, you know, where they have reindeers and so. And uh, if uh, you are out there under the starry night and it's completely silent 
you know, not a car honk, right. not a radio, uh, not uh, any party going on. It's just you and the snow and the stars. Of course, you will become more sensitive to every kind of vibes. So, uh, as I said, the tradition to taking care of these phenomena and also, in some cases, uh, a more, say, uh, quiet lifestyle. Uh, both these things will be uh, make you uh, predisposed to be, say, a bit more psychic than the average person. So, is it is it? Am I jumping to a conclusion here when I say it's a more of a cultural advantage than it is maybe a genetic advantage? It's uh, difficult to say, uh, but as I found these phenomena, you uh, you mentioned the Native Americans. Uh, they have very strong uh, culture for that, mm-hmm. and have spoken with Canadian, um, uh, say uh, First Nations people, very strong culture for that. Uh, I've spoken with Sami people, very strong cultures from for that. I've speak spoken with African people, strong culture for it. I've spoken with Jamaican people, strong culture for, for it, and so and so. You find uh, uh, find it in every indigenous culture it seems more or less uh, so if it has been a genetic thing uh, well it seems to be say a common human phenomenon uh, musicality is that genetic or culture basically it's genetic but also it's a cultural thing. I think it will have uh, make it uh, what it, uh, you know, I losing the words. I'm so, please excuse me. I'm speaking not my native language. <laughs> uh, it's it's both. It's both genetic and cultural. You have genetic that we all are psychic basically, and you have cultures. Some are. Most indigenous cultures are open to it, and some culture it. And if you have long uh, old cultures, say the Indian and Chinese culture, you have uh, highly uh, elaborate systems like uh, yoga, for instance. Uh, uh, you really learn to to somehow develop these the kind of things. So basic genetics, yes, and also uh, uh, cultural, uh, yeah. Your book is called A Short History of Nearly Everything Paranormal. We, of course, recommend that. But do you have other books that you recommend that people would find interesting and useful in this uh, in exploring these ideas? <sighs> Yes, uh, there are other books. It depends on what people are interested in. Uh, but uh, I, I like the books of Dean Radin uh, because there's so much mumbo-jumbo out there. But Dean uh, Radin, he's very modest. He's probably the best, uh, I would not say, there are many great parapsychologists, but he's at least one of the best parapsychologists out there. And his books are humorous and they are reliable. So uh, I uh, quote uh, Dean Radin uh, uh, quite a lot in my book, but of course, uh, with the said uh, something about my, my book, um, it's uh, bigger than Dean Radin's book. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Dean Radin is a serious scientist. Uh, he's a natural scientist, also he's a psychologist, but he do lots of laboratory research. Uh, I'm more a historian, you know, and I give um, my approach is a bit more say common cultural uh, so uh, if you but i will recommend uh, you should read my book and dean raiden's books then you uh, have very good overview over this field where can people find your book uh, they could go to amazon for instance uh Taya simonson a short history of nearly everything paranormal or they could go to barnes and noble or they could go to walmart even or to powell's or every kind of uh, 
serious web, uh, big web store will have it. And I need you to say your name again because I've obviously been saying it wrong. <laughs> yes, Tarja. Uh, 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 that's first name. Tarja. Okay. That's a Norwe- yes, a Norwegian name. And uh, I have not yet met a person that uh, will uh, make it right on first uh, try. So you are in a very good uh, company here. <laughs> well, I was, yes. I, it was said to me phonetically as well, and apparently that didn't do the job either. But either way, it's been a fascinating it, discussion. I really appreciate your time um, and your willingness to share all of this because it was. It's your work is quite good, and your perspective is even better so thank you so much for doing this thanks a lot for having me on beyond reality paranormal is hosted by jv johnson and produced by orion palmer and slick eddie edwards like us on facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform click on the link in the description or on patreon at joha productions if you'd like to be a guest on beyond reality paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest contact our producer slick eddie edwards eddie is spelled with a y at slick eddie edwards at gmail.com